we're going to continue this series that we started last week, The Problem with I. Um, and just the, the problems, and so we were singing it, and it was making me think how everything was tying together. Um, because all the problems we face really happen because we focus on ourselves. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. It's because we've trusted in uh, our own selves, which have proven time and time again to be nothing but fails. And so, um, so we're doing this series, and last week we talked about insecurity, and, and insecurity is when trust is broken, insecurity comes in and takes its place, and that's kind of the theme of it. And the irony of it is that um, Thursday of, of, of the week before that, uh, I needed to get some new tires, and so I got four tires on my vehicle, and I told the guy the next day when I got back to work, I said, hey, even if I don't need the tires, just the security of knowing you have four new tires, it's just, it makes the drive more peaceful. And uh, this past Monday, I had a blowout in a tire. And I thought, wow, isn't that how things work? You, you live what you hear. And, uh, and so now every time I feel a bump or a shake, I think, oh, God, something's about to happen. So my trust was broken. Um, but today I want us to, to look at something that probably every one of us struggle with in some capacity, and that's insomnia. Or in a better understanding of it, it's just restlessness that we all face, not even just physically, but also spiritually. Let me pray, God, thank you for who you are. God, that we've had this constant reminder this morning um, that you meet our needs. And God, I pray today as we continue this theme of service, Lord, that we would be reminded that rest is only found in you. God, apart from you, there is sleeplessness and restlessness. But in you, God, you've brought peace and comfort. And so today, God, I, I pray that as we examine ourselves, Lord, that you would reveal to us those areas of weakness. God, the things that we're holding tight to, Lord, that you would reveal those to us. And Lord, help us to place our burdens in your hands and our cares at your feet. Lord, let your anointing continue to flow. God, let your, present remain, your presence remain real. And I'll give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. You know, growing up, I, I always feared monsters under my bed. Uh, and I don't know if you ever encountered that, but it would literally keep me awake at night. And you would wake up the next morning as a kid feeling so tired because all night you worried that something was underneath your bed just waiting for you to fall asleep. And so um, I thought, well, that's weird because I don't ever remember anybody teaching me about monsters being under my bed. And then I had children. And they feared the same thing. And, I, and so as I was preparing this message, I thought to myself, what is it that makes us, though we're never taught, believe that monsters live under our bed? And I think what I come to realize is that anything that we can't explain, so any void that exists, is a monster. Uh, that's the only way we can explain it. It's, it's a monster. So for a kid, they don't know what happens in the darkness under their bed. And so in their mind, it's a monster. You know, as we get older, the monsters under our bed don't disappear. They just take on different forms, right? We lay in bed at night, and the monsters that we now deal with is, how am I going to pay this next bill? Or what about this fractured relationship that I face? And, and all these things that we can't explain, these voids in our life, become the monsters in our bed. And it's what causes us to be these insomniac people who walk around spiritually tired, physically tired, emotionally tired, and we keep looking for answers and trying to figure out where that's going to come from. But insomnia is honestly a real thing. 70 million Americans truly deal with insomnia. Meaning that they either don't, have, don't go to sleep when they need to or they struggle staying asleep. 
And truthfully, if we were to poll people in here, you have probably at least dealt with it at some point in your life. Not only that, but insomnia leads to 38,000 deaths a year. Isn't that crazy? Insomnia leads to 38,000 deaths a year. Um, and so this is a, it's a true epidemic, but I want to look at it from a different perspective of the insomnia that we face that's brought on by our own selves. You know, if you want to turn with me, we'll be in Psalms chapter 23. Um, and as tempting as it may be this morning, as we talk about cure and insomnia, I would challenge you that falling asleep is not the cure to insomnia during my message. Now, go home, take a nap. Uh, we're actually going to look at it through Scripture. How do we examine um, this battle we have with insomnia? You know, often, time and time again throughout Scripture, we find this relationship between humans and sheep, right? That tends to be the correlation that the Bible makes where we understand some of the things we go through. As a matter of fact, God is often referred to in the Bible as our great shepherd and we as his flock. And that's why shepherds throughout the Bible made some of the most uh, amazing leaders, right? If I said, who is a shepherd that you think of who is a great leader? Probably the first name that would come to mind would be David or Moses, right? But if there was anyone who understood what shepherding was, it was a man named David. And so it's amazing that we read these beautiful words in Psalms 23 from a shepherd who relates to us how to find true rest. And that true rest is only found in God, our great shepherd. Psalms 23, we'll read the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, a man named Philip Keller wrote a book from a shepherd's perspective on Psalms chapter 23. And in this book he writes about the difficulty that sheep have in finding rest. Does it sound familiar? The difficulty of finding rest. And, and so he kind of points out four reasons in his book why sheep have difficulty finding rest. And I want to kind of boil it down to three things that can help us kind of grasp this idea of how we get rest in some of our restless days. The first is that sheep will not lie down unless they are free from fear. Sheep will not lie down unless they are free from fear. You know, sheep are some of the most defenseless creatures that there is. Right, when we think of a lot of different animals, they have some sort of defense mechanism built inside of them or something that they can come outside of them that causes them to keep predators away. But sheep, they're not one of them. As a matter of, as a matter of fact, the only thing that sheep can do to prevent predators from attacking them is just run. And so in order for them to continue to live, their whole life has become this on-the-move mentality. And the only time they can find true rest is when they're free from any fear. You know, Amber and I lived in this, in this place in Georgia when we were there, and the man had hundreds of sheep. That's what he did for a living. He 
what farmed sheep, I guess is what you call it. And so that, that was the career that he had. And, and so he had tons of sheep. I mean, honestly, it was, it was a lot of sheep. And, and, and I can remember back when we first came there, and, and the sheep would never come close to you. Uh, but when you could see them at the edge of the fence, I was amazed because the fence had this gap in the bottom of it. You know, it was just the wood boards. You know, it was nothing that you would think could keep sheep. As a matter of fact, you could see them stick their head out from underneath it, and they could crawl out. And I remember asking a guy, his name was Todd. I said, hey, Todd, how, how do the sheep always stay in? And he said, they're more afraid of being on the other side of it than they are on being on the inside of it. And so their fear is what kept them on the inside of the fence. One day, uh, when I returned home, I saw some sheep outside of the fence. And, you know, this wasn't an everyday occurrence. And so I called him up on the phone and I said, hey, uh, some of your sheep are, are outside of the fence. Literally, they're just right on the other side of it. And they were eating grass. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. Is there something I should do? I don't want them to escape. And, and he said, all you need to do is walk towards them and it will put them back in the fence. And so I just made sudden movements toward them. And all of a sudden, they ran back through this gap in the fence and back in there. And I learned in that moment that sheep are more afraid of me than I could have ever been of them. And it was their fear that kept them uh, trapped their whole life. You know, the uncertainties and the unknown dangers that were on the other side of the fence was the very thing that kept them inside of it, right? Inside the fence, they knew that they were safe. They knew that that Todd, their shepherd, was going to make sure that nothing got him. He had a dog that was roaming the, the, whole, uh, the whole place, making sure that nothing was going to get him. Like They understood, outside of this, I'm not safe. And so this uncertainty and unknown dangers caused them to be so afraid. But also, as a result, in the middle of the night, you could hear them making noises. And you, were, uh, uh, and you always understood that sheep just never rested. And as I look at what David is drawing the comparison to, I realize that many of us struggle with the very same thing. The uncertainty and the unknown dangers are the very things that keep us awake and cause us to be restless and cause us to have problems. And you know, life throws many of these uncertainties at us and life throws these unknown dangers at us and we struggle to ever find any rest in the middle of a chaotic life. We're thinking about our job and do we still have it? We're thinking about our kids going to college and can we afford it? We're thinking about our vehicle and can it make it another year uh, before it dies? We worry, worry, worry about the uncertainties and our sleepless nights become the norm. And in our restlessness, we look for some sort of peace to calm us through it. You know, fear has stolen the rest that we would typically have, and it's been replaced with insomnia. And all of us walk around tired and needing some sort of break. As a matter of fact, some of you probably came here today feeling physically tired. I would join you in that. I got four hours of sleep last night, and I am tired. And I thought, wow, of all days to do this message, today is the day, right, that we're tired. And so we go through these things, but David reminds us in this psalm that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want, that he makes us to lie down in green pastures and he leads us beside still waters. And this is important to remember that it's our good shepherd who restores our soul. It's our good shepherd in our insomniac that restores us back to a peaceful life. It's our good shepherd that when we're feeling so restless, 
restores rest back to our lives. It's our good shepherd when we feel like we're about to just lose our mind that restores sanity to us because it's he who restores our soul. Our fear deprives our rest, but God restores our soul. It's not until fear is replaced with faith that we actually find true rest. You know, Jesus, the good shepherd, said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, it's only when faith comes in and replaces the fear that we have that we find out what true rest really is. It's when fear, it's when the fear of job becomes faith in God that we find rest. It's when the stress of bills becomes the faith in Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that we find rest. It's when uncertainty of a future finds faith in El Shaddai, our Almighty, that we find rest. The freedom from fear leads to rest. And that freedom is only found in God, our Good Shepherd. The second thing that he wrote about was that sheep struggle to find rest when there's conflict in the flock. I had no idea that that sheep were such a conflict-driven herd, right? But sheep are apparently not very nice to each other, right? There's a lot of competition between all of them. The flock operates on this principle of survival of the fittest, right? The strongest is the leader, and the weakest gets whatever's left. And so as a result, they constantly bully each other. So if you were to find one laying in a comfortable place, you know that there's some sheep plotting to ensure that they get their spot because they are going to bully that one and nudge him and push him until that comfortable place becomes his comfortable place. There's constant turmoil in the flock and some struggle to hold their spot within the flock while others constantly try to take it from them. And as a result, none of the sheep rest because they're constantly worried about what the other ones are doing so they have their eyes trained on each other. The sheep are a competitive society, not unlike ours. From the moment we're children, inside of each and every one of us is placed competition. Competition athletically, socially, academically. We are raised from a child to be a competitive people. So it's not hard to understand that as we become adults, that that competitiveness remains within each and every one of us. But it changes on what we focus on. We're competitive in a job. We're competitive in relationships. We're competitive in our careers. And as a result, our, competitive, our competitiveness tends to turn over to conflict. Right? As a child, competitiveness is fun. As an adult, competitiveness is conflict. And we tend to find the struggle with each other. So it's not about me being the best it's now about me taking you down where I can then be the best. And we have the sheep conflict mentality as now our lives are survival of the fittest. But David points out in Psalms 23 that God prepares a table for us before our enemies. I remember when I was in Iraq and, and we would go on these missions that would last for days. And, I, and, and, and doing anything was really a luxury. And so if we had the opportunity to eat, it was, it was honestly as quick as we could tear an MRE open. We didn't heat the thing. We ate it, and, and we were back to doing whatever we were supposed to do because those were luxuries. And so I was reading this, what David wrote, and I, and I was thinking about how God prepares a table for us before our enemies. And I thought, wow, when I ate in front of our enemies, 
all I experienced was fear. But what David really wants us to understand is that God, in the presence of all of our enemies, places a table and a feast is laid out before us. And he says, eat in the presence of your enemies. What God is saying or what David is conveying to us is that God wants us to understand that there's no conflict that you go through that's bigger than God. To us, conflict consumes every waking moment of us. And we wrestle with emotions from anger to regret to remorse. And we cycle right back through them. But God has such comfort in the presence of conflict that he says, just lay a feast out and eat in front of your enemies. And it's a reminder that in the face of conflict, it's not in and of ourselves that we find resolution, but it's only through God. That God has such a comfort level that he would prepare a feast in front of our enemies, and he reminds us that it's only through him that we overcome conflict. That it's only through him that we can rest in the face of adversity. Because if it was dependent upon us, we would duck and run from the eating in front of our enemies. Because it creates fear, it creates discomfort. But God says, there's no need to have any of fear or discomfort. I have prepared for you a feast in the presence of your enemies because there's no conflict that I can't resolve and there's no restlessness that you should have in the face of adversity. In God, we find peace. In God, we find that He is in control. Psalms 121 and 4 says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor, slum nor slumber. What an am amazing, encouraging verse to know that our restlessness is overcome by a God who experiences no restlessness. That when we're tired and we've been through every battle and we're just almost ready to throw our hands up and quit, that we can look to these beautiful verses and know that the God we serve, He never sleeps, He never slumbers, that we can rest easy because God never sleeps. And that's comfortable, right? It's why we have the comfort we have in our country. It's because we know that there's men and women on the front lines who are fighting the battles that we can rest in peace at night. And as Christians, that same comfort should come to us to know that there's no conflict or circumstance that we'll ever face that will take away the restlessness of who we are. That there is a God fighting on our behalf. Not just any God the creator of the universe, the good shepherd. And so we rest in conflict because God never rests. And finally, sheep cannot rest if they're hungry and thirsty. It's only when their appetite is satisfied that they too are satisfied and can rest. Now, let's be honest, we go through that too, right? You ever been hungry? You're like, I cannot go to sleep until I eat a bowl of cereal. Right, it's every night for me. And so we all, we all battle that. They're hungry and until their appetite is satisfied, they will continue to search for food until they can find their bellies full and they can lay down and rest. To them, the food is more important than the rest that they actually need. Their hunger leads them in some sort of pursuit that takes them outside of the areas of comfort and safety. Right? It's just like the story I was telling you when we drove up. Those sheep who only knew peace and comfort inside of the fence who were on the outside. The moment I walked towards them, it was like, whoa, 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 this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Right? Because sheep know certain comforts, but when they get so hungry that it causes them to go blind to those things, they begin to venture into areas that are unsafe and areas that they shouldn't go. 
In life, we hunger for many things as well. We hunger for love. We hunger for happiness. We, lo- we hunger for power or status. We hunger for wealth. Like We battle these different hungers. And our hunger leads us astray. And it causes us to pursue just one more bite of grass. And so we think to ourselves, if I could just get one more thing, that'll be the very thing that fills me up and I'll be satisfied. And what we find is happiness is fleeting. Wealth is fleeting. All these things that we pursue thinking they'll satisfy us are fleeting. The only true fulfillment that we have is when our hunger is filled by our Creator. As a matter of fact, it's the very thing that brings us to salvation. It's that we finally come to this realization that everything I've tried to plug in my heart has caused me to still be hungry. And so we hit our knees and we surrender to our God and we realize in that moment that the very satisfaction I needed was found only at the foot of the cross. Our hunger leads us astray. And it never satisfies us. In the pursuit of that hunger, it wears us out. Because to us, the grass is always greener on the other side. And to us, whatever is over on the other side is the very thing that's going to be that fills me up. It's more filling over there and it brings me more status. It's more filling over there, and it makes me happy. It's more filling over there, and it makes me satisfied. But what we really find is it causes us to be insomniac people. David tells us that the key to our rest lies in the presence of the shepherd. He is the only desire and the only hunger that we should have. The good shepherd is the one who makes us rest. It's he who makes sure that the conditions are right for the sheep to find rest. Because when the sheep are not rested, they become vulnerable to the environment that they're living in. And the enemies that surround them can easily take them out when they are unrested. And so David says the good shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. And those green pastures are the very things that we pursue. Now, I don't know if you know this because I didn't until I started reading this, is that green pastures are not easy to come by in Israel, right? They're not like you just walk outside, hey, there's a green pasture. As a matter of fact, the natural features of this land is dry and arid and very rocky. And so if there was ever a green pasture, it was most likely because some shepherd had went out and cleared the land. And he'd put his sweat and his blood into clearing that land for his sheep. And he would pick out every rock and he would pick out every obstacle. And then he would begin to prepare the ground and he would place some seed there. And he would begin to dig some irrigation system. And so any green pasture that was there caused the shepherd to be meticulous in preparation of it. See, I always believed that it was maybe some sort of farmer's field. They had some field that they were had planted crops on and they decided they would let the sheep out in it but that's not at all what it is because sheep were not allowed anywhere near the farmer's crops because they would destroy the crops that he had the green fields that David had in mind were the fields that the shepherd themselves would have carved out and prepared in the wilderness and the survival of the sheep in the wilderness all depended on whether the sheep trusted the shepherd or not when we say Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd And I shall not want the profession that we make is I trust in the good shepherd, our creator, God, that he's went out before me and he's picked every rock out from in front of me and he's prepared the ground perfectly for me. And he knew what I was going to run into and he knew the obstacles I was going to face. And I trust that he's going to lay me down somewhere where the enemy can't get me. And that's the only time we find true rest. 
It's when the good shepherd receives the trust from us. Because vulnerability is all we face apart from his protection. Sheep thrive in the care of the good shepherd. Because in his care, sheep can find rest. When you read these stories about shepherds taking care of sheep, you find that when the shepherd is present, the sheep feels that he's there to protect them. And they feel like he's standing at the gate and that anything that tries to come against them, he's there to stop it. And so it's only in the presence of the good shepherd that sheep actually find true rest. The insomnia that we face, the restless nights, the things that keep us up worrying at night, they're all this byproduct of a self-centered people. It's me trying to figure out how to pay my bills. It's me trying to figure out how to repair some broken relationship. It's me trying to figure it out. And the reason that I find restlessness is because I haven't been in the presence of the good shepherd. Because in the good shepherd's presence is the only way that I find true rest. And so our first task in overcoming this insomnia is really just to be honest with ourselves. Do we want God or not? Do we trust God or not? We can verbalize it all day long, but our actions, do we want God to be our good shepherd? Do we want our trust to be placed in him? And if we do, then we must be willing to make the effort to respond to him. The more we fight, the more we push against God, the more we, the more we will struggle with the enemies that come into our lives. And we live by our own hungers when we push God away. And then we never drink of the good living water that he leads us to. And the more we begin to rely on ourselves, and the less we know what rest really is. See, I, I want to close with a story. It's by Max Licato. It's about this town called Tuckertown. Uh, so the parable that he wrote, he says, If you take the worn-out highway through Wearyville and past Sleepy Hollow, you will eventually come to Tuckertown. Tuckertown, in Tuckertown, everyone is worn out. One day a stranger made the journey to Tuckertown, and when he... When he saw how tired the people were, he began to inquire as to why they were all so tired. And one of the residents said, you would be tired too if you had to push your car everywhere you go. And sure enough, as he walked through Tuckertown, he noticed that the roads were filled with persons who were pushing their cars. There was even one man who was pushing a truck, and he proudly said, I'm the tuckered, I'm the tuckered trucker. And the stranger wondered if all the vehicles were broken down, although most of them looked quite new and well kept. Or perhaps they'd run out of gas. But then he noticed that all of the cars that were being pushed had engines that were running. Every morning the people of Tuckertown got into their cars, they started their engines, they put their cars in neutral and they started pushing. Rather than using the power of the car, they relied only on their own power. And the stranger inquired about that. He was told that the residents of Tuckertown did not trust the cars to get them where they needed to go. And so they pushed. And as a result, they were all worn out by the life that they led. You know, some of you have grown weary in here. You've tired and, and you're worn out. And you just feel like at moments you just want to throw your hands and give up. But what you have to ask the question of is, am I trusting God to drive me where I need to go? Or have I lost trust in him and now I'm the one that's steering this car? I'm pushing it. I'm trying to lead to God rather than being led to him to green pastures. We think that we have to find our own way in many instances, but the truth is that God has prepared before us green pastures that he desires for us to lay in. 
And so we push against God and, and the life that he desires for us, and we become so very, very weary and worn out, searching to feed hungers that we can't possibly satisfy in the meager forage of the wilderness. And that was David's experience. He was the king when he wrote this. And his pursuit of green pastures only made him weary with his life. Then he discovered that it doesn't have to be this way because the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. What a realization for a king to come to. A king who really didn't want for anything physically but had reached the breaking point in rest and said, I can't do this anymore. Lord, you're my shepherd and, and I shall not want nothing. And David realized that it's the good shepherd who makes us to lie down in green pastures. There's nothing I do that makes life good in any way. As a matter of fact, I fumble it every single day. It's the good shepherd who makes me to lie down in green pastures. And this morning, he invites each one of us to come to him, to feast at his table and have no fear of what circumstances we face, to live with him in his green pastures, and to come to Jesus because it's only he who can give us rest. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. God, that in the face of restlessness, you give us rest. In the face of hopelessness, you give us hope. And God, that today you've brought us here together. Many of us face in troubling and tiring times. And, and God, you've brought us here for this very moment. And so today, God, I ask as we evaluate the things in our lives, Lord, that you would just begin to reveal to us the areas we focus on us and we fail to trust you. Help us to place our trust solely in your hands as the good shepherd who desires nothing but good things for us. God, that you would bring closure to areas that are open in our life. Lord, that you would restore our soul in our brokenness. And today, God, we ask that you bring us back to the place that you want us to be. God, we love you for what you do in our lives. We, we we love you for the care that you show for sheep who often try to go astray. That you lovingly pull us back into the fold. That in the face of conflict, you prepare a table. In our fear, you provide protection. In our hunger, you satisfy our soul. That when we deserve nothing, you give us everything. And God, today we place that in you. God, we love you and we thank you for everything you're doing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you that chance. If you're here today, and one, if you're here today and you said, I don't know what it means to trust in God, I want to give you that chance to place your trust in God, the good shepherd who steers you in the right path. I also want to let you know that the altar is open and you're broken in weariness to surrender at the foot of the cross and say, God, only if my trust is in you will you restore my soul. The altar is open this morning for you to experience true peace and true rest. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done here today. God, continue to restore us, challenge us, and move us in the direction you'd have us. 
Your great and your goodness extends even beyond our understanding. And we praise you for that today. God, we love you. Ask that you continue to be the good shepherd in our life. And Lord, help us to continue to have the trust we need in you. And we give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thank you so much. Uh, Please, I would love for you to.